Well, thank you. It is very good to be back here. I really feel like as a mostly mom person, it's really a gift to be able to think about things and have a reason to sit and write and think about things other than when my kids need to go to school and did they shower and is their math homework done and you know, oh, are they safe and stuff like that. So anyway, no, really, it's, it's wonderful to be here again. And um, Dale, when he emailed me, was pretty specific. I'm supposed to talk about Psalm you know, 23, verse 2. But he also gave me another quote to kind of ponder. So the quote is, Scripture is the word that journeys with us. And Psalm 23 is, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So a little upfront truth here. Last time I was here, I was forced to admit that I like gin, but not Easter. And I talked all about death today. It's true. It was like post-Easter, and it was still all about death. Today, I will admit I still like gin. And Psalm 23 is actually hard for me. And I'm going to talk about death Again, I'm kind of worried that I'm going to get the reputation for being like the death girl who doesn't really like the Bible and church. And so I promise like next time I'm going to read a book about like puppies and sugar cookies and I'll come and I'll be like really, really joyful or something. Um, But I think in all the books I read and just, I know, stuff I listen to and conversations I have, I just keep getting hit with this fact that there is actually a lot of life and a lot of sweetness in not just life, but in death as well. So, all that to say, we've got quotes, gin, Psalm 23, death. What exactly, you might be asking yourselves, have I been pondering for the past few weeks? Let me start with a quote again that Dale gave me. Scripture is the word that journeys with us. And I think that this is a true statement. I think there is mystic power in these words written by hands that have long since turned to dust. I think just like Tim was saying, there are moments that we could sit here and and spend the next hour talking about words from the Bible that seemed written just for us, moments when Jesus seems to just jump from the pages and turn our mourning into dancing. And I hope that it is no shock for most of us here to hear that scripture has that kind of power. And I think it is also no shock to hear that other words carry similar powers. Communication through words is the cause of much love or strife with our coworkers, our partners, our friends, our children, our parents. It's a key that seems to lock or unlock love. And I think about words. I sometimes choose them carefully. I probably need to choose my words with as much thought as I put into picking out my clothes for each day. And the bottom line is we interact with words all the time, scriptural, fictional, spoken or yelled. And sometimes I think we pack up these words and we carry them with us. Scripture is the word that journeys with us. A journey, adventure, a jaunt, expedition, an odyssey, pilgrimage, sojourn, different words for different journeys. And as we sit here at the early part of August, I think we are about to begin a new journey. It might not seem like that, but I think we're about to cross a border. Summer is about to end and autumn will fall. 
Horticulturalists say that the environment is actually most diverse and rich at borders, where mountains become deserts, where prairies intersect with rivers. And I won't be giving science lessons this time, but I do want to focus on borders, specifically the borders between healthy and diseased, childhood and adolescence, and opening up and closing in. And I have a hope that by the end of this, by the end of all these border crossings, we'll find ourselves in a destination replete with green pastures and still waters and restoration. So a man named Bruce Kramer is dead. He journeyed with ALS, and he lived for four years as the disease slowly crept through his body. But he started a blog, he participated in interviews, he wrote a book, he even started practicing yoga from a wheelchair and all post-diagnosis and while suffering ALS and suffering through the borders of healthy and diseased life and death. Bruce was many things, including a participant in faith. He actually attended a Methodist church in Michigan, and it is obvious in his writings that he deeply, deeply valued his spiritual practice. Over and over again, Bruce in his book calls out and names a truth, that we will all die. And over and over again, he calls out another truth, that we pretend we won't. He even created an acronym, TAB, T-A-B. It stands for Temporarily Able-Bodied. This is all of us pre-diagnosis. And as temporarily able-bodied men and women, we tend to look at disease and disability as something that happens to others, maybe as something to pity, maybe as horrors we have endured through our family and our friends that we pray won't afflict us as well. And I think we know we will die and we see death all over, but somehow I think we, myself, definitely included, seem to live thinking that we're gonna be hiking in Breckenridge one day and just dead the next. But the reality is that we will all suffer disease and disability in some way before we die. And as Bruce began his journey with ALS, he noticed more about the differences between the tabs and those with diseases. You see, tabs mostly live life choosing to be unaware, pretending that the distance between us and disease is far, far off. Bruce writes in an early chapter that disease gives us choice. We can awaken and pay attention to the entire narrative, or we can deny and pretend unawareness. And he goes on to write this. No matter the choice we make, disease remains. My informant, my teacher, my mentor, my constant companion. Bruce chose to view disease as a new teacher in his life. He accepted that the border between healthy and disabled had closed, and he chose to awaken to the fact that he had crossed over into new territory. And the choices that Bruce made enabled him to live brightly and continue learning and loving and living. And inspired by Bruce, I am trying to learn to view myself as a temporarily able-bodied person. And I'm learning how that creates changes in my life. I'm learning that I don't have to wait for disease or disability to awaken me. I acknowledge that I do not know how close to or far away from their borders I am. And by trying to be more open, I find that I'm actually doing a lot of grieving. And mostly I think I'm grieving because I spend most of my time really, really hard pretending unawareness, as Bruce so well put it. And one of the things I'm grieving is the fact that my oldest daughter is growing up. 
She just turned 10. Double digits, no more single digits to describe her life. It's different, it changes things. She's entering her last year as an elementary student. This was her last summer as a participant in VBS and in the summer library reading program, and I have cried as each of these activities has come to pass. I'm really, really grateful for the past, and I have hope for the future, but I'm grieving that things are changing. And to further grieve my heart, because I'm crazy, I've started reading Mary Piffer's book, Reviving Ophelia, Saving the Selves of Adolescent Girls. And it is breaking me. It is so important, and it's breaking my heart. And in my grief of all of this, it is easy to view my daughter's journey into adolescence as a disease, and one I'm gonna have to suffer with her and I don't want to. <laughs> and I think adolescence is often painted as a one-way ticket into adulthood, with the cost being the very self of a person. Pfeiffer writes about her work observing girls crossing the border from childhood into, into adolescence, and often during these border crossings, girls are attacked by many, many things, including society and media, and they can lose their true selves. And the effect of this loss is devastating as we then have women who aren't whole, we, who can't live life with a vibrancy, and who have stopped, as Piffer quoted, we've stopped being and started seeming. And the thought of my daughter making this crossing and losing her true self terrifies me. The best way to get everything I don't want from adolescence is to close myself off to pretend it won't happen, to stop conversations, to just ignore. But if I believe, Bruce, that disease gives us choice, then adolescence gives choices as well. And for my part, I'm trying to choose to be open to it, even if it kills me, because I will learn more. So I've decided that I'm going to choose to cross the border and go on an expedition with adolescence. And I'm going to take a notebook and I will record my findings and I will survive. <laughs> I will. Scripture is the word that journeys with us. We've ever so briefly spoken about the border between healthy and diseased, childhood and adolescence. But what about a border that is often unclear and confusing? A border where we often don't realize which side we're on until we're in the middle of a crossing. The border between opening up and closing in. And I'm talking about our minds and our hearts. When Dale emailed me the scripture for this message, I think I actually groaned out loud. Psalm 23, ugh, really again? Because I grew up in the church. And I've heard and I have read this more times than I can count. And it's one of these scriptures that somehow I have this idea that I'm supposed to like feel all these things and think all these things when I hear it. But I feel a little dead on the inside because I don't feel much of anything. So I think it's safe to say that I've been a little more than closed off to this scripture. I read it. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I typed it, I read it again, and you know what? I kept running away from it. To Bruce's book, to my own family issues, to podcasts, anything other than this scripture. 
But August 9th kept getting closer and closer on the calendar, and this is what I was supposed to talk about. And I was forced to confront this scripture, these few words. And I kept working on this message, and I thought I had it. It may have worked. I think maybe I could have pulled it off. I had a degree in theater. I could just pretend really well up here. But I didn't like it. I, di I just didn't like it. And I think it's because the scripture wasn't just journeying with me. I think it was hounding me, confronting me with how my heart and my mind were so closed. But it's a peaceful verse. It's beautiful. He makes me lay down in green pastures. One wouldn't think it could wreak such havoc, but it had me sobbing on my couch. I was closed to this entire psalm because I am closed to God. And it was really ugly for me to feel that that night, sobbing on my couch. And it was really ugly to have the courage to just type it and to know that because I typed it, I was going to say it out loud to all of you. But the truth is that I want to be open or I want to want to be open and I just don't know how to do it. I get busy, I get tired, and I get scared. And so I just close myself off to these beautiful words and promises. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so after I finished crying, I began to imagine physically fulfilling these verses, following someone to this place and laying down and seeing all of this, feeling the grass, listening to the water, wondering if there were birds or flowers or trees. And I believe that this imagery of green pastures and still waters can't be imagined any other way than an open space of peace. Pastures are places that are open. The land is rolling this way and that. The water is still calmly proceeding through. And I realized this is what I want. I want that open space. I want that peace. I want that rest. And I just don't know how to get it. And then I got scared because I thought maybe I couldn't get it. Maybe I can't because I haven't been open to it. And then I read, he makes me. He leads me. So all may be well because it sounds like someone else is doing the doing. Someone else is going to make me lay down and lead me to rest. Maybe all I have to do is follow. So simple, so impossible. Am I able to let someone make me lay down and lead me to rest? And that is when I realized something else unique about this journey to these pastures. This is a journey with a border crossing from movement into stillness. So not only am I not doing any of the work in my journey of following, but I'm actually moving towards rest, but we don't journey to rest. 
not really. We don't quest to end up calm and quiet. We adventure. We fill our summertime up with play dates and sports camps. We put dinner with friends on the calendar. We hike. We vacation to new destinations. We explore. Who would travel to Paris to take a nap? And I realize I'm such a tab. Right? I'm such a temporarily able-bodied person. Remember Bruce's acronym for those of us without diagnosis. And as a tab, my perspective is so limited, which is why it is hard to understand this border crossing from movement into stillness. And I think God is leading us through it every day, all the time. And I do want to say that it is not wrong at all to adventure or hike or send our kids to sports camps or travel to Paris. But Bruce helped me to see that if I can grow out of my tab perspective, I can see more, an even bigger picture. Do you know the name of Bruce Kramer's book? He titled it, We Know How This Ends. And yeah, Bruce is talking about the fact that we are all going to die. But I also think he's completely aware of the fact that all of this ends in an open pasture of peace. Bruce could choose to let disease be his teacher because he chose to believe that Jesus was somehow in his disability. ALS was a new companion sent by his shepherd. He could see that ALS was not the end, but only a beginning to learning more about life on this side of a border. The border between healthy and diseased, life and death, Michigan and those green pastures. And all of this just opened me more to this verse. I could feel my desire for these still waters. And because of Bruce, I could see God, our shepherd, taking many forms disease, adolescence, and use these teachers to lead me ever closer to peace. I just have to choose to follow. In a very non-dramatic way, I chose to follow my oldest daughter. She had checked out a book from the library titled Little Dog Lost. It's the first book that she read and then asked me to read. And for two days, she kept asking, Mama, have you read it? Mama, have you read it? And I hadn't read it, and I hadn't read it. And so one night, I promised that I would read it, and I didn't put it down until I finished all the words. The book introduces us to Buddy, a little lost dog, and Mark, a boy who longs for a dog because he suffers from intense loneliness. Mark's journey is his deeply emotional push to get his mother to grant his request for a dog. And the mama just keeps saying no. At the end of the book, there, at the climax of the book, there's a big storm that brings the entire small town outside as Buddy the lost dog jumps into Mark's arm and lets him hold her for the first time. And then Mark and Buddy run away, and the mama is standing there alone in a storm, cold in front of the whole town. But Mark and Buddy do return home later that night. And as the three of them are sitting together, he began talking, and the words tumbled out. Please, he began, you've got to understand. And so he told her what it was like to be a boy without a dad or a brother or a sister or even a cousin living close enough to count. He told her how lonely their little house was sometimes, even when they both were there. 
He even told her how every night he patted the edge of his bed and how every night his imaginary dog jumped up to sleep next to him. His mother listened, her gaze traveling back and forth between Mark and the small black and brown dog. When Mark was done talking, the room itself seemed to hold its breath. Then just when he thought no one would ever speak again, his mother began. She told him about a little girl and about a big dog with lots of teeth. She told about being hurt, about being scared, about how dogs, even small dogs who were perfectly polite with their teeth, still made her tremble inside. And after she had told him all that, she said, I'm sorry, Mark, I just didn't understand. Mark melted like butter. His mother was afraid? His mother, who had brought him into the world alone? Who had taken care of him every day of his life alone? Who had faced every crisis, flu and flat tires and overflowing toilets alone? His brave mother was afraid of the small black and brown dog? He took a deep breath, then asked, will you let me teach you how to say hello to a dog you've never met before? And his mother nodded. Fear, misunderstanding, and lack of communication could have kept these characters close to each other. But instead we see two people, a mama brave enough to share her truth and her boy leading her through the border between, between being closed in and opening up. I almost let fear keep me from journeying with this scripture. It wasn't until I read my message to my husband, Paul, who was kind enough to listen to me, even though we were in the middle of a fight. And it really helped me see how bad my avoidance of the scripture was. By opening myself up to Paul in the middle of a fight with a message that I knew wasn't very good, I was really forced to confront my journey with these words. It made me think of another quote from Bruce. Bruce writes about falling literally due to the progression of ALS through his body. The falls range from being a nuisance to potentially claiming his life. But he writes about accepting the falls as part of the teachings of ALS. He also writes that he hopes that somehow in the falling, you will bring those you love along for the ride. And I realized that without even trying, so maybe it was Jesus, <laughs> that that is what I did when I invited Paul to listen to my words. It is what I am doing in this moment by sharing my journey with this scripture. I'm inviting you along for the ride. And then I won't be alone. And then you get the green pasture too. And I want that for you, for us. So like a man with ALS, like the parent of a girl with adolescence, like a woman closed off to a beautiful promise, like a mama afraid of dogs, can we find our shepherd in all of these places? Will you search with me? Will you seek to find the teachers and companions that God has sent to you to lead you into a place of peace? Will you look for the words you've packed up in your journey through all your borders and will you share them with others? Will you share your fear and your joy? As the first half of this year draws to a close and as we cross over into the second and final portion of 2015, 
I hope we can all focus on the ways that we are trekking, sojourning, and traveling all of our different paths, and that we can have eyes open to see our shepherd who is cloaked in everything from diseases to fiction books, who is waiting to do the doing so that we can rest. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for all of it. And help us to keep learning and loving, to let you do the doing. Help us to see those green pastures and feel those still waters. Thank you for making us rest and leading us to that place. We love you. Amen.